everyone, Joe Graves here uh, with the Central City Daily Reading. We're on a Thursday. Welcome to Thursday of Holy Week. Um, today is special. Today, uh, Jesus is going to institute the Lord's Supper uh, at his celebration of Passover, according to the Gospel of Matthew's story of Jesus's last week before his death and resurrection. So on Thursday, um, uh, he'll be sharing with them uh, the bread and the cup. And uh, we're going to read that story. We're going to talk about it. But I do want to let you know, if you want to pause now and go get some stuff, uh, if you want to grab some bread or something like bread, like a cracker um, and, and some grape juice or wine or something like that, any kind of juice or even water would work fine. Um, at, near the end of the podcast, we'll actually take some time and give you an opportunity to share in the Lord's Supper together. So I'll share that with you uh, in the podcast itself. So I encourage you to grab those elements. And uh, with that, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 26. And I'll be reading verses 17 to 19 and then 26 to 29. Um, There's a lot that happens on Thursday. We can't cover all of it. Judas uh, betrays Jesus. Jesus tells the disciples that someone's going to betray him. There's all of those things. We're going to focus simply on the Passover and the institution of the Lord's Supper. So Matthew 26, 17 to 19, and uh, 26 to 29. Uh, Here it is. Now on the first day of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where will you have us prepare you to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine, until that day when I drank it new with you in my Father's kingdom. God, we give you thanks that that you would come not only be amongst us, to live amongst us, but that you would give us things to hold on to. That you'd give us things to touch and to feel and to taste. That you'd give us a faith that's rooted in human experience, something as basic as eating and drinking. And that in those normal, everyday activities, we might meet you. Your spirit might come and impact us and remind us of what it means to be loved by you, to be renewed. And that there's a promise of of forgiveness and and a, a commitment to always be with us. God, remind us of that. In your name we pray. Amen. Everyone is in Jerusalem to share the Passover. It's where you go to share the Passover. It's the place to be. Inside the walls of the city of Jerusalem is the best place to practice the Passover. You could, um, and that's what you did. People would travel from all over the Roman Empire to come to Jerusalem. Jews from the, from the, from the diaspora would come to Jerusalem to practice the Passover. And, and there were a couple things you had to do. Uh, all we're told in verse 19 is that the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. 
We're not told what they do to prepare the Passover because the assumption is that we know what that is already. Um, but of course, myself being a Gentile, and maybe many of you as well, um, you might not know. So here's here's some of the steps that they would do to prepare the Passover. So you just kind of imagine this is happening on Thursday after uh, this big entrance into Jerusalem, a whole day of teaching, and then a meal yesterday where, where somebody pours you know, embalming liquid, uh, oil onto uh, Jesus to, to anoint him and prepare him for his burial. They now spend Thursday getting ready for the Passover, which would be a couple things. First off, um, leaven or, or yeast, leaven couldn't be in the home. Um, it represented evil and sin. There could be no leaven. That's how you, was one of the ways we prepared the Passover is getting rid of all the leaven. It was, um, the idea originally was that you, when you were traveling, remember Passover goes back to the time of, of, of the Israelites coming out of Egypt, uh, unleavened bread was traveling bread. And so they took it to the extreme. And so you would actually search the room. So they would go to this house that, that Jesus had somehow mysteriously secured for them, and they would search the room, make sure there's no leaven in order to celebrate the Passover, including any breadcrumbs. So they go through the whole room, none allowed in the room. Then they'd have to obtain a lamb. Um, and uh, once again, they'd have to go back to that place where they <laughs> overturned tables, most likely, and purchase a lamb and have it slaughtered by the priests in the temple. That's that's how that would work. And then they'd roast a lamb and uh, other necessary ingredients as part of the Passover in that place that they were prepared, in their room that they had set aside for this. And now, I know this is mentioned in Matthew. The main focus in Matthew is on the new meal that Jesus institutes. But you have to realize that this new meal is rooted in these preparations. They prepared for the Passover, which means they've been running around town, cleaning the room, getting a lamb, cooking the lamb, getting all the ingredients so they could have this meal that would remind them that God was a God who delivers. So, now I've I've been uh, pulling ex- a lot from the New Interpreter's Bible Commentary. Uh, the truth is, is I I pull I I read this for every sermon, and so it's hard. If if I gave credit every time I used it, I would literally bring it up every sermon, um, because it's one of the commentaries I always go to. I look at other commentaries as well, but this is one I go to every time. I love it. It's dense. Um, it, it has a lot. It's very well. It's, it's well written. Um, I, I stumbled on it originally because my professor in seminary wrote wrote the book on Deuteronomy, and uh, I absolutely he was absolutely brilliant. So I'm assuming similar brilliance is involved in all of the books because he's the standard uh, that I'm familiar with. So um, this comes from there. But really, one of the things that uh, is is really helpful for me when we talk about communion is we have to understand that it points in five different directions. So I'm going to talk about these very briefly, but this is where we can kind of understand this new meal that Jesus is instituting, this 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 Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, communion, these are the words we use to describe this new meal, but he takes bread and he takes the cup and he offers to him and he says this is a new covenant. It points in five directions. The first one we've already talked about, it points backward. It happens in the context of Passover. It, it, it reminds us that just like God delivered his people from bondage of slavery, he will do it again. It points backwards to this beautiful story that God is the one who delivers. That's the first thing, and, and that's that's we know that because it's rooted in the Passover story. It also points for, forward. In fact, Jesus even says this in verse 29. He says, I'm not going to drink of this fruit of the vine until the day that I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. He's pointing towards a future banquet. A, a future 
a dinner table where he'll get to eat with everyone. This is a popular theme in Jesus' parables. When he talks about the kingdom of God, he describes it as a banquet. In the book of Revelations, it talks about the heaven being this banquet, this wedding feast of, uh, uh, for, for, for people. And so communion reminds us of this future time. God, that's what God's working towards. So if you're ever like, where are we headed with this? Like, where is our faith going? It is going towards a table. It's going towards a place where we get to sit down with Jesus and people and the loved ones. I mean, it's a holiday. It's a celebration. It's a table. There's food, and it's great. And communion, when we sit and we eat, is meant to remind us not only that God in the past delivered his people, but he's delivering them towards a future that's going to be great. It's going to be this future banquet it's worth looking looking forward towards. So it points backwards. It points forward. But it also points inward. You know, uh, we didn't read these parts of the story, um, but nestled in the story of of the Eucharist, of the of the first communion of the Lord's Supper, is the story about Jesus saying, "One of you is going to betray me." And they're all like, "Not me, Lord! Not me! Is it me? Is it you?" And he says, "One, someone at this table is going to betray." And he forces all of them to wrestle with whether it's them. He doesn't tell them who it is, but they all have to ask the question: Is it going to be me? I think that's on purpose. When we share in this table, not only should we remember that God delivers, and not only that should we remember that God is delivering us for a bright future, but that we should stop and reflect on where we are. What are we hiding? Where are we broken? Where are we afraid to be honest? Where someone's going to picture, hey, Jesus, it's not me, is it? We should ask that question. We should wrestle with that question. It points backwards. It points forward. It points inward. It also points upward. In a little bit, Christ will die. Christ will rise again. And then there's this beautiful story of Christ ascending into heaven. This meal is meant to point our hearts towards God. It's meant to point our hearts away from ourselves, upward towards the heavens, towards God, which has always been traditional place where we imagine God. We know God isn't in the heavens, right? But that's the traditional place, up, up. God is up. It's this idea that, 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 that I'm willing to lift my eyes to the hills and see God who's coming. It is meant to point us towards God. Backward, forward, inward, upward. And then finally, and this is important, outward. (laughs) You know, when God and when Jesus did things with meals, he did things like telling parables where the poor were invited to come eat, or one time he fed 5,000 people because they were hungry. Or even if you look into the New Testament with the story of, of them sharing in the Eucharist and Paul's teaching about the Eucharist, he talks about making it fair and not doing it in a way that objectifies other people. In other words, this meal is meant to remind us of what God's meals often look like. They are open to all where everyone gets to eat fairly. We share in this bread, we share in this cup. It should remind us, it should challenge us that it's not just about what I get to eat, but am I sharing it with other people as well? 
the Eucharist points backwards to the God who delivers. It points forward to a bright future where we get to sit down and have a party. It points inward where we ask ourselves, is it I, Lord? Am I the one who will betray you? It points upward towards the risen Christ. And it reminds us to look outward. A meal in the kingdom of God is one that is shared every time. Whether that be with 12 or with 5,000, we invite all to come and to share in what we have. So at this time, I invite you, if you've got some bread or juice or something that's equivalent, to grab it. Will you pray with me? God, we give you thanks. Holy Spirit, fall on these gifts of bread and juice, uh, wine. uh, Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we might understand what God has to teach us, that we might remember the God who delivers, the God who has a bright future for us, that we might wrestle with our own sins and difficulties, and that we might meet you in this place. Amen. Friends, it's the body of Christ broken for you, and the blood of Christ shed for you. Thanks be to God. Thanks for listening to today's Holy Week podcast, part of Central City Daily Readings. I hope that you'll join us tomorrow. And also, uh, this coming Friday at 6.30, we'll have a Good Friday service. It will be um, uh, live-streamed as well, so you can join us from uh, from home. And uh, we'll have childcare, so please come on out and uh, enjoy it, uh, even if you've got kids with you. And then on Easter at 9.30 at St. Luke's, we'd love to have you join us for our Easter service. All right, hope to see you there.